Good morning, church. Man, I will come sing with y'all any week. What a, what a, Joey was right. Those are some wonderful songs. Tough to, that last song always moves me. And as I, uh, I think about the passage that I've been in this week, man, it just, it flows all through that song. So I pray really that you guys would have that on your mind as, uh, as we're hearing the word of God today. Uh, the first thing I want to do is just thank y'all. Thank you to Joey and the leadership of the church for allowing me to, to fill this big pulpit uh, for Michael Beck, who I've loved and known for a long time, and just to see his flock and to be able to come here and, and preach to you guys is a joy. I also want to thank you that y'all let me spend some time with some of your kids. Uh, I am a youth pastor. I, I still wear my bracelet from camp, and uh, we had a great time. I enjoyed getting to know them, and, and it's a joy now to see you in your faces. I've got a, I've got a couple of children, so three. Uh, the oldest is 10, and when she was two, we used to watch this show called Backyardigans, and some of you that have young children may have seen this show. And uh, I thought of this this morning, actually, as I was just thinking of the treasure of God's word. Uh, there's, this, there's this one episode of this song. It's like, treasure, treasure, where's the treasure? Treasure, treasure, where's the treasure? And I was thinking, you know what? Like, we have, we have a treasure. We have a treasure in the gospel. We have a treasure in the word of God. And so if you guys would, if y'all would turn to me to Colossians this morning, uh, we're going we're to spend some time there together. And first I want to read our passage here. So starting in verse 3, it says, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you, just as in all the world also, It is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. If you would pray with me. Father in heaven, we first thank you for your word. We pray that you would work today. We pray, God, we know that all we have is Christ, but we do ask that your spirit would uh, enlighten and illumine your word to us today, Lord. I pray for me, the preacher, Lord, to be accurate and truthful and to rightly divide uh, your word. I pray, God, that it would fall on good soil and pray, God, that uh, you would change us today. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. So we all have memories. We made some memories at a wedding last night, dancing with my kids. By definition... A memory is the faculty by which the mind stores and remembers information, right? So we can all, when I say memory, we all have things that pop into our head, right? Psychology today says that memory makes us who we are. If we couldn't recall the who, what, where, and when of our everyday lives, we would struggle to learn new information, form lasting relationships, or even function in most daily situations. I mean, think about it. If you had to wake up every day and learn how to tie your shoes, how miserable would that be? If you had to wake up every day and learn how to read, how miserable would that be? If you had to learn to brush your teeth every day, I don't know, kids, that's tough. It's apparently really tough to learn how to brush your teeth. It takes at least 10 years, I've learned. (laughs) That would be hard if we had to do the same thing over and over every day and not have a memory of what we had learned. So the better question is really what makes something memorable, right? What makes something stand out in our mind? What makes it lasting, right? And 
Guys, I'm going to pick on you for a little bit here because I fail as a husband often, and I, I'm hoping that you can relate to me in that. But this week, Lori and I had a conversation. We actually had six conversations, all about the same thing, of which I wholeheartedly affirmed every time that I heard her and was clear in what she told me. Friday morning pops around, and I ask her what the, her and the kids are going to do for lunch, because I'm thinking, hey, I don't have lunch plans today. I could go eat with them. And she gives me that look. You're nodding and laughing because you all know the look, the look when she's like, do you ever listen to a word I say? And I'm recalling back that, yeah, I listened to it, and I acknowledged it, and now I remember because of that look that you're giving me of, wow, how did you not remember that conversation? And it's a loving and it's a reminder of the loving, kind, forgiving wife that I have. It's a reminder of God's grace in my life that he forgives us. And you feel that you can, sometimes she'll put those hands on my face. She'll grab me just ever so gently and just say, listen, right? That's what God's doing to us constantly. He just wants us to listen. He wants us to hear his word. He wants us to spend time in his word. The problem is we get distracted, Right? The problem is we let all of this shiny stuff distract us. We let, we let things that are important distract us. Our kids can distract us. Our jobs can distract us. College choices can distract us. So we need reminders. Right? We need reminders in our life of what we believe and why we believe it. We're Texans. And when I say remember, you might think remember the Alamo. Right? We're pretty here close to San Antonio. Well, as I... As I realized this week that I didn't pay attention much in history class and had to Wikipedia remember the Alamo, I realized and remembered that it wasn't so great for us, right? Like, we lost overwhelmingly in that battle, yet we cry, remember the Alamo. And the reason we cry, remember the Alamo, is because 21 days later, after the Battle of the Alamo, that's what those soldiers cried as they remembered Davy Crockett, Jim Bowie, and all of the men and women that had died trying to defend the Alamo because they thought it was so important that they needed it for the Texas Revolution. And so we cry, remember the Alamo. We remember that. It reminds us that those men had a hope of independence for Texas. And so as they went into battle, they cried, remember the Alamo. Well, today we want to cry, remember the gospel, right? We want to remember the work that God has done in our life, the fruit that he has planted in our life, the the constant action that the gospel is taking in our life. And we want to thank him for the men that he's put in our life to teach that word. See, the remember the Alamo reminds me of the great story of hope that is in the gospel. We're not, we don't have to fend for our independence and we we live in America where we have freedom, but we need to remember the gospel because it's what has truly freed us and set us free and gives us everlasting life. So my aim this morning is to remind you of the good news. Good news that produces fruit, good news that it is is at work in your life, and good news that is brought to you by faithful servants. I want to help you treasure the gift that you have in the gospel. My title today, obviously, is Remember the Gospel. And my goal is to show you three timeless truths about the gospel. Truth number one is that there will be evidence seen. Truth number two is that there will be truth understood. Truth number three is that there will be a courier given. First, before we go, let's give you a little background on Colossians. So this came about 
I decided I'm going to preach Galatians in, in youth group this, uh, this year. And because at camp, one of the last sermons we heard, Josh Petrus, the high school pastor at Grace Community Church, mentioned the book of Colossians and how it really points to the supremacy of Christ in the first two chapters. And then the end of it is really, okay, what do you do with that? So I thought, you know what, that's exactly what our kids need to hear. Our kids don't necessarily just need to see all the rules and stuff that they're supposed to be living out as Christians. They need to see why we live it out, which is seeing Christ and his glory. And so I was like, man, I want to preach the first part of Galatians to this church. And so, as any good pastor does, I approached my text and thought, oh man, this is clear cut. Three to 14, this is a passage about prayer. This will be simple. Man, it'll, here's, these points just line up. And as God does, when you start looking at a text, he opens it up to you. And if you spend enough time there and you pine over it or you bang your head against it, as John Piper would say, he reveals more truth in it to you. And that's been a joy in my life to see this. So I, I do pray that I can help you see the evidence seen, the truth understood, and the courier given. The book of Colossians is obviously a letter written by Paul, and it's very similar to some other letters that Paul has written, specifically Ephesians and 1 Thessalonians. In fact, let's flip over to Ephesians, a couple of pages to the left. In verse 15 of chapter 1, Paul says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Very similar, almost identical to Colossians, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. He had started in verse 3 with give thanks to God. Flip over to the right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father, knowing, brethren beloved by God, his choice of you. So we see the same elements in these, in these three texts here. So something is setting this one apart. Something in this text just jumped out to me, and it was, and I'm going to kind of give you some background of how I landed where I landed here first. In verse 6, of Colossians 1. Sorry, I'm taking you all over the place this morning. We're going to wear those Bibles out. Verse 6 says, which has come to you, look back to the end of verse 5, the gospel has come to you, just as in all of the world also it, insert the gospel, the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it, the gospel has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it, the gospel, and understood the grace of God in truth, which is another way of saying the gospel, just as you learned it in verse 7, the gospel from Epaphras. So as I approached this to to teach you about prayer, I thought, this verse, this passage is saturated with the gospel. And he doesn't go into the details of the gospel. What he's trying to lay out for us are the truths that we have as believers in the gospel. And so timeless truth number one about the gospel is evidence seen. Join me in verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. In Christian lingo, we would call this fruit. And it's not just Christian lingo, it's scripture. But it's very popular for us to say, are you bearing fruit? Matthew seven sixteen tells us, you will know them by their fruit. So people will know us as believers. They will know that we believe and remember the gospel by the fruit in our life. 
the first thing that we notice here is that Paul has heard this. Okay, background in the passage here is that most scholars believe Paul had never met these Colossians. Okay, he had never been to this church. That was Epaphras that was planning this church and teaching at this church. What he had done is heard of the life that they were living out in Christ. So obviously somebody had seen it and either in old school times wrote a letter or took it to him via mouth and told him face to face, maybe Epaphras, right? It wasn't like, hey, I'm posting a picture of my morning devotion on Instagram, right? That wasn't seeing fruit for Paul. Paul was clear here that seeing fruit in their life or hearing about the fruit in their life had three elements. It was their faith, it was their love, and it was their hope. And so as we just sang, all we have is Christ. Paul starts, look at the importance of the older here, order, it all starts with faith in Christ. Remember that, church. Remember that your faith is in Christ. Your faith is in the matchless Savior. Matchless is in nothing compares to what he's done for you. He gave his life, laid himself down, humbled himself to become a man. Your faith is in that man, that God-man, the one whose name is written on your heart. Romans 6 says, Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus. And I'm not here today to tell you what that looks like in your life. We are going to apply some of this to your lives. But I want you to remember where the root of your faith is. Why do you get up in the morning? Why do we want to make disciples of our children? Why do I want a job? I want to show off my faith. I want to show people the God, the Christ that I believe in, that freed me from the life that I could never live on my own. The text lays itself out here pretty clear. Faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Now, I struggle with love. If I have a confession to make, it's that I I really just am not good at loving others. I am a very selfish, prideful person, and the Lord is working on that. I struggle really to love, love those that aren't necessarily in my church or don't believe the exact same things I believe, right? But this passage clearly tells us that we are to have love for all the saints, right? We're not just to love five-point Calvinists, and we're not just to love premillennial dispensationalists. We're not just to love the people in our home group. We're not just to love the people that dress like or look like us or, or have the same kind of style of lifestyle as us. We are called to love all of the saints. And let's be clear that all of the saints are the ones that in Romans have confessed the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in their heart that he has risen from the dead. We've had the privilege of going to a conference with Joey together for the gospel. And it is such a wonderful conference because you see all these just different spheres, let's call it, of faith. It is all rooted in Christ dying on the cross for us. It is all rooted in remembering that the gospel is what frees us from all of that. So I want to encourage you today to love all the saints, not just the ones like you, because it's commanded here. That's what we do as Christians. We love all the saints. And there's even proof text here to say that it's not just loving the ones that are like us and believe in Christ, but it's also loving our neighbor as ourselves. right? Those who don't believe in Christ. We should probably have a greater affection for them 
because now we have a chance to share Christ with them. Granted, I'm the preacher. I am not the one who is living this out. Let's be clear. I, I struggle and fail at this as well. What's really interesting and where this passage just gripped me here is this is where our text takes a turn from the Ephesians passage we read and the Thessalonians passage we read. Faith, hope, and love are seen often in Scripture. I mean, we would call those foundations of, of Scripture, really, foundations of the Word. We have faith, we have hope, we have love, and usually in that order. But Paul, for some reason here, mentions faith first and love, and then says, because of. In, in Greek, this is really on account of. So on account of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you should have faith in Christ and love for all of the saints. And so it got me thinking, like, we've got to go back to the hope. That's why I want you to remember the gospel. We have to remember the hope that we have, right? I don't know what's going to happen at work tomorrow, right? I don't, I don't uh, I'm in the insurance business, right? And so one of our competitors, MetLife, has a great slogan. They protect the ifs in life. Here's the reality, Christian. We have no ifs in life. We know the final result. There is no if. If you believe in the Lord Christ Jesus and you confess, sorry, if you confess in the Lord Christ Jesus, you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, your if has been scratched away, you will be in heaven. Your hope is that right now he is sitting there on the throne reigning, as we sing, before the throne of God above. He's there right now waiting to come back and take this, take this earth, destroy this earth and make a new heavens and a new earth as you guys have read through in Revelation. Why don't we remember that? Why do we start in my business looking at sales goals? or real estate sales, or how many septic systems we're going to put in. We, we start thinking that way, and we take our eyes. I mean, let's be clear, probably the only one in here doing that's Mike Dunn. Right. <laughs> but we take our eyes off of the prize. We take our eyes off the crown. Man, your songs played perfectly into all my illustrations this morning, Joey. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 4.8. Second Timothy 4.8, in the future, not right now, this is hope, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Will award to me. There's no question marks there. The gospel gives us the assurance that we will receive the crown of righteousness. Heaven is the crown. Heaven is the prize. We will be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. And we don't have enough time because I don't want this to be a super long sermon, but I would keep going forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It is laid up, secured, stored. It can't be taken away from you. And so when you have those doubts, when you're tempted to despair, upward I look. Upward I look. Christ sitting on his throne. Christ hanging on the cross. I'm always looking up, remembering. I'm not looking at my feet saying, woe is me. I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Christ saying, praise you. Praise what you've done. You've done what I could never do. I, we were singing that, that song, All I Have is Christ. And I was thinking, I don't, sometimes you just wonder why. Why are sin, a wretched sinner like myself, why would he save us? And because he loves us. 1 Peter 1.4 
says that we have an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Y'all have some good restaurants here in Bernie. We've, we've visited a couple of them. Usually we have to get reservations because they're fancy. I'm making my reservation. When I get there, they have my table ready. Guess what? Confess the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart. Your reservation is waiting for you. And you don't know the day. That fleeting breath, we have a brother in our church. His day is any day. And the joy in his face that I see when I spend time with him right now is of hope in heaven, of hope of the Savior, of hope of the Lord. Believe in that. Remember what the gospel did in your life. Remember that you are not dead, that you are alive and live. That's true freedom. Paul, in in the way he does it, gives us a gentle loving reminder here, reminding us of faith, of hope, and of love. I've seen this in my kid's life. All right, so my middle child, Kennedy, yesterday, here I am scrambling to prepare a sermon, and Kennedy wants to ride her bike. And so I have to practice grace, right? This is not all about me. And so I take my lovely daughter, Kennedy, out to ride her bike, and we haven't done it in a while, and she was scared. She was scared she was going to fall over and, and hurt her knee. We had taken the training wheels off. I was adamant we were not putting the training wheels back on. And I had to, I had to remind her, I don't know if you remember this, Kenny, but I had to remind you, hey, I've seen you do this before. I've got, I've got a video of it. I can show you. And remember how you were scared, but you overcame that and you rode around and, and, I, and I even showed her, I said, remember how you were making circles right out here and that was your little target to go around? I had to gently remind her, that, hey, you've, you've done this. And so, Christian, here's your reminder. Remember that first time you believed the truth and how just that feeling in your heart and in your soul that you wanted to tell everybody about it and you wanted to do as much as you could for the Lord? Remember that. Remember the evidence seen in your life previously. Maybe even ask somebody, hey, have you seen fruit in my life lately? Do you see me changing? Do you see me growing in the Lord? Does my life reflect the gospel? We don't want to ask each other hard questions, but that's what we do if we love each other. Ask hard questions. We were at that wedding last night, and a young couple that's been married for about a a year, I looked him in the eye and I said, hey, what's the biggest challenge in your marriage the first year? And man, he gave me the most honest answer. He said, man, I had to learn grace. And I was like, thanks for answering honestly. He said, thanks for the hard question. That's what we do when we love somebody, right? We're trying to sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron. So the application to your life here is that you need to evaluate the evidence. There's been evidence seen in your life if you're a believer. But now you you need to step back and you need to reflect. You need to think, okay, I need to evaluate the evidence in my life. Is there faith? Is it rooted in Christ? Is there hope? If you were on trial... Could you be convicted? Is there enough evidence to convict you that you love the gospel, that you love the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have professed him as your savior? And reflect, where, where is my faith? And it's not that this is always gonna be 100% perfect. We know that. My faith isn't always 100% in Christ. It is, but these other things get in the way. Push those aside. Remember who you have faith in. Remember what he's done. Loving others. Guys, pray for each other. Pray, pray deeply for each other. Not these superficial prayers that we pray like, oh man, I hope work goes good for Heath today. Like, no. Pray that my sin will be exposed. 
Pray that I will grow in grace. I've been praying the Psalms this summer. I can't tell you how much it has done for my soul. It's amazing. We have a treasure. And if we open the treasure chest, it rewards us. So I want to encourage you to do that. I told Lori this, this came to me this morning, right? We all, we all set an alarm clock most of the time. And hopefully none of y'all do this, but I tend to hit the snooze button, right? Here's my personal, personal application to this sermon today is that tomorrow morning before I hit the snooze button, I'm going to think, who am I going to not pray for so that I can sleep for eight more minutes? It's pretty convicting, right? Who am I giving up? Oh, well, I'm not going to have enough time to pray for Joey now, but I'll hit the snooze button. That snooze button is going to be lonely tomorrow. It's not going to get hit by anybody, but... And, and here's really the, the application, the, the, just the end goal is, if you see these things in your life, praise God. And if you don't, repent. Acknowledge that you're not doing these things. Acknowledge that there's not these things in your life or that you're struggling and failing. Just, he just wants you to lay it at the cross. He wants you to lay it down and give it to him. So our first point is evidence seen. And the application to your life is evaluate the evidence. Hold fast the confession of your hope. Don't waver. Timeless truth about the gospel number two. Truth understood. You ever had something so powerful in your life that it just consumes you, it overtakes you, like you're blown away, right? Uh, uh, we happened to be on a plane that had some trouble this year, and one of the gentlemen that was uh, helping the, this lady back into the plane, afterwards I asked him, man, just, you know, your dumb question, what was that like? He's like, man, I've never felt anything more powerful trying to pull me out of that plane. So I want you to understand the truth here. Right? The truth understood in your life is that you recognize the power and influence that the gospel has. And so turn, go, go back to Colossians with me here in verse uh, 5, the end of verse 5 and the beginning of 6. So this hope of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it, the gospel, is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it, and understood the grace of God and truth. You've previously heard these truths. So the question becomes, what is your truth? Right, that's probably a very cultural question now. Well, what is my truth? Well, that's dumb. Right, the truth is God's word. From Genesis to Revelation, every word of it's true. You might not like it. You might not agree with it. It may make you think, but it's true. Okay, in game, God's right, you're wrong. Okay, it's tough. Tough, tough to settle in the belly there, but it's true. So Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's true. Mark 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. That's true. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, not even one. That means you. I added that part. True. Romans 3.23, every Awana kid should know this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of those are true, and you're probably shaking your head and that, you're, that they're true, but we forget that they're true. We forget that we believe God's word. We forget that we can take God's word for what it is and that we can say no to our friends. We can say no to culture. We can say no to the the latest trend. We forget the foundation of our faith, the foundation of our hope, which is this treasure that every one of you has a copy of. We lay it aside 
like it's just a book in the stack with all of our other books, if you're like me on our nightstand, that you're going to read. We forget the word of truth mentioned in James 1.18. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be, so that, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Man, doesn't that go great with our text? We believe on the word of truth. It produces first fruits. Trouble is we get, we get a clouded memory, right? Our vision gets a little blurred. Some of us wear glasses. We really understand blurred vision. This morning we're leaving the house and I, I don't know about y'all, but like I have to have a clean windshield. Like it is just something I gotta have. And my wife doesn't care about a clean windshield and I love her, but I kindly reach over because she's driving and <laughs> clean the windshield so that I could see, right? It was cloudy. I couldn't, not everything was quite as crisp as I wanted it to be. So we need to do that, right? We gotta, we gotta wipe the dust off of our glasses, off of our lenses, right? We've gotta blow the dust off our Bibles, open it up, read it, enjoy it. We forget John 17, 17, that Christ prayed this for you. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Christ prayed that. Christian, our life becomes t-shirts with cool Christian slogans on them, right? And it becomes, y'all can tell I'm a youth pastor. It becomes Instagram post of this, oh, this verse just moved me today. Can a verse move you in like the one second? Probably. But just think of the treasure that you would find in that verse if you actually spent more time in it other than just sharing it from somebody else's post. Maybe a really good song makes us, makes us feel good, but we always need to filter these things by the word of God, the word of truth. When you understand truth or truth understood, as I so cleverly titled it here, you remember the power and the influence that the gospel has had on your life. The bottom line is that the truth has not changed. Other things may cloud your judgment. Other things may come into play in your life, but the truth is the truth. It will always be the truth. It was never not the truth. God was here before us. He spoke the world into existence. What's really rocked my soul this week is that he breathed life into us, how different we are from the rest of creation. Guys, and I pick on y'all. We hate directions. I don't need directions. I don't care how big a project or how small a project, how many Lego pieces there are. I don't need the directions. And then about five minutes later, you realize I need the directions. We've been there, right? We do it every time. Probably with our wife. Oh, I know. I've been here a thousand times. I know exactly how to get there. And then about 30 minutes later, you're like, okay, which, which turn is it? Right? We're, we're asking our loving spouse to shed light on our lack of direction. That's the truth understood, is recognizing that in your life. Recognizing that you have the treasure, you have the instruction manual. And it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's a story of how God brought you back from death and gave you life and sacrificed his son for you. And the next thing that we see here is that it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. It's a reminder you are a work in progress. You're not perfect. The work hasn't stopped. The work started when you first heard it, and it won't end until you're in glory. 
And if you don't believe that, you need to memorize Philippians 1.6, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will perfect it. Truth, understood, I believe that. So since you understood, all this really comes together here at the end of verse six. Since you understood, truth understood, we have to recognize that, that there is an, a, a mental ascent to knowing the gospel. Right? There is a knowledge that we need to have of his loving kindness toward us, of the gift that he's given us freely, undeservingly, of the kindness that manifests itself in the righteous dying for the unrighteous. Pardon from an eternal sentence on death row. Transformation of your heart. A new life to be lived as a dead man. One who is dead to sin and alive to God. This is the truth understood. Remember, think back to the first time you first believe it. Think back to when it was taught to you. The truth hasn't changed. Wipe your glasses off. It's still the truth. Remember that, church. Remember the truth that you, that you believe. I want to encourage you today that you know the gospel. I want you to remember the gospel. Application, trust the truth. Trust it. You know it. Rehearse it in your mind. I'd ask my, my high school kids often, like, share the gospel with me. We should share the gospel with ourselves. Wake up grumpy. Preach the gospel to yourself. You got nothing to be grumpy about. Rehearse it. Know it. Stand firm in the truth. Let the truth influence the decisions you make at home, at work, at school. Here's a, here's a, a good one, and I, man, this is something that's been on my heart. Let the truth influence how you raise your kids, the jobs you pick, the schools you go to, the vacations you take, the college you pick, the career path you want to go on, young ones. Know and teach the, your kids a biblical worldview. Share the truth with them constantly. Point them back to scripture because I can tell you what, I can guarantee you, everybody else out there is pointing them to something else. And you can try to, I tried to do this, tried to keep my kids in private school, put them in this little bubble. Here's what I realized about this private school. There was more sin in this Christian private school than there is in the public school our kids are in now because you had a bunch of fake Christians that just were willy-nilly and weren't teaching my kids the truth, the truth of what it looks like to remember the gospel and walk it out in my life. So we have the evidence seen. We have the truth understood. And our third timeless truth about the gospel is the courier given. Verses seven and eight. Just as you learned it, back to the gospel, from Epaphras our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. And he also informed us of your love in the spirit. Praise the Lord for Epaphras. Right? Praise the Lord for Michael Beck. Praise the Lord for Chris McKnight. Praise the Lord for John MacArthur, for Albert Moeller, for, for every pastor that has ever been called to preach the word. Because I can tell you after this week, whoo, it's hard. Joey, I don't know if I could do this every week pining over the scriptures. It's working in your life. You're in it so deep that it is just, it can't do anything but work in your life. I told Joey, 1030 last night, this whole thing was scratched. It was like, okay, this, 
that's not it. Praise the Lord. He's been here today. He has been faithful because he is faithful. But here's what you need to remember. You, rem- you need to remember you've, you've been given a courier. Okay, Paul quickly reminds them here, nothing like Ephesians, nothing like Thessalonians. He takes it back to a specific person that is planting that church. Guys, you are a church plant. You're in year two, right? Year two, almost year three, year three of a church plant. And you're growing. And you've had ups and you've had downs. I know because we pray for you guys. But you have a faithful courier. You have a man whose life has been changed by Christ. You have a man who left his business to go to seminary for three years and struggle and get by and is now here faithfully preaching the word every week. He is a beloved fellow bondservant. He is a slave of Christ for you. And I can tell you, just as I was praying for you this week, I can't even imagine how he prays for you during the week because he knows you on a personal level. It was two, you know, prepping this sermon started last week, and I think it was like Tuesday night, Desiring God sent out an article about kind of like what a pastor goes through during the week. It was a really interesting article, and I was like, man, they're right. Like, it is labor, it's laborious. You put your heart and your mind and your soul, not just into the, to rightfully dividing the word of God, but I, want, I was thinking, what do y'all need to hear? What does God have for you today? You have a faithful servant of Christ who is doing that on a week-to-week basis, pouring himself into the scriptures hour upon hour to make sure that he knows the truth and to make sure that he relays that to you in a way that is clear and concise and that will convict you because he wants you to grow in grace. And I want you to be clear, he didn't put me up to this sermon. Like he had no idea I picked this text. I don't even still think he knows. But he's witnessing about you, right? Because we hear things about you. Good things. Evidence of your faith. Evidence of your growth. So cherish the courier. Cherish the one that you have that stands in this pulpit every week and preaches to you. Cherish it more so he finishes here with the spirit. Right? All we have is Christ. Praise God we have a spirit because we cannot do this on our own. We need a helper. We need a comforter. This is only accomplished in the Spirit. Faith in Christ only comes by the Spirit. Loving others only comes by the Spirit. Man, we all know that. There ain't no way we're loving others that aren't like us without the Spirit. Cherish your courier. There is no chance that you are here at Grace Bible Church. God is sovereign. He has placed you under the care of a wonderful shepherd. Rejoice in that. Be thankful for that, that he does care for your souls. So your application is cherish your courier. All right, so how do we close? How do we close this down? Well, there might be some tension in some of you because I just totally skipped over verse three, right? And it wasn't because, man, I can't fit this into a cool point that sounds right, right? I thought about that. That was just Satan. So how do we close this down? We go back to the beginning. All right, we go back to verse three. All of this has come from Paul saying, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. The love and the care and the uh, authority that he gives God here in knowing that all of this comes from him. Me being up here preaching, us coming here on Sundays, all of it is from God. 
right? And so Christian, we don't go to our Bibles because we have to. We go to them because we remember the gospel and we want to remember the gospel more, right? We don't spend time with other believers because we have to. We spend time with them because we want to. We want to practice love. We want to show our faith. He is the father. Think about it. Some of us have gotten too old to really, you know, cuddle up next to daddy. That would just be weird, dad. But he's our father. He's there offering you hope. And so for one second here, I want to divert. If you're in this room today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I I, I want to encourage you to, to, to just die today. I want to encourage you to see the glory of the gospel. Right? You think you're free right now. Right? I deal with high schoolers, so I know. Y'all think y'all are free. You, man, your mom and dad give you a cell phone, you are on top of the world. Right? But you don't know freedom. Adults, you don't know freedom unless you are in Christ Jesus. See, God made you, right? Breathed life into you, Genesis 2-7. He is the wellspring of our soul. He is what gives us life, right? And so we are accountable to him, right? Exodus 34, verse six and seven, there will be a punishment for our sin. And so lay it down for you. Either you're gonna suffer greatly for the rest of your life or you're gonna decide to give up everything you got and trust in Christ. And that's what the gospel offers. That's remembering the gospel. That's the gospel that changed my life. That's the gospel that can change your life. It's that you have a savior in heaven who loves you. And he's at the door, right? He's knocking. Do you, do you hear him knocking? Do you hear the hope that he gives you? We must always give thanksgiving to the one who all gifts come from. James 1.17, every good thing given and every perfect gift. I don't know about you guys, but the gospel is the perfect gift. Every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. It is from him. It is through him. It is for him. You were purchased with a price. Remember that. I want to leave you with this thought. I want you to think about this. You were dead. You had zero life. Now you're alive. Why on earth would you not go home tonight and hit your knees and praise God for that? Remember the gospel, right? Remember the evidence seen in your life. Remember that there, there has been fruit there, that there is fruit there. Remember the truth that you believe, that you love, that you couldn't wait to tell everybody else. And remember the courier that was given to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we give you all thanks and praise. We, we humble ourselves and lay ourselves low to know that you would give yourself up for us. And uh, pray, God, that, that you would remind us, Lord, that there is evidence in our life. Lord, that you would remind us of the truth, that we would remember the gospel, that we would remember the power and the influence of it in our life. Father, and that we would recognize those that have been given to us to teach it and, and nourish our souls Father, we want to love others. We want to have rock-solid faith in Christ. We want to have a hope in heaven that distracts us from all of the other things in the world, Lord. We want to be focused on you. And so I pray that you would work in the lives of all of us this week, God. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.